Hey, I'm Gilad Niger and this is the Velips Tech Tuesday Unboxed, your DevOps Technologies Review. In every episode, we talk with a DevOps expert who shares the latest trends and best practices in the industry. Today, I'm happy to talk with Viktor Farcic, who is a developer advocate at Upbound, also well known from the DevOps Toolkit YouTube channel. So, hi, Viktor. Hello, hello. First, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, that's complicated. I, I do many things. I do random things and some of those random things end up being something useful and most don't. I just, I like playing with stuff. I like understanding what others are doing, trying to fit things into a big picture, let's say. Nice. So let's deep dive into our topic today. I heard you many times previously. Uh, saying that Kubernetes isn't just for containers orchestration, uh, but actually more for managing everything. What do you mean by that? The idea behind Kubernetes is that we should have a universal extendable API. That's the main goal of Kubernetes, rather than containers or what's or not. As a matter of fact, I see containers as being the first implementation, something that you get out of the box more as a baseline, something that you can use to see how you could do things, right? It was never a goal of Kubernetes, at least as far as I know, to be, hey, this is a thingy that can run containers and that's it. And if you look at the projects, especially in CNCF landscape, that's pretty clear, right? Almost every project you install will extend Kubernetes API first and foremost, right? If you install Argo CD, you're getting three, four, five CRDs that allow you to define something called Argo CD application project and so on and so forth. If you install policies, let's say Caverno, you get another set of CRDs. Now, those CRDs are extensions of that API. And what happens when you create a custom resource based on that custom resource definition does not depend, does not depend on Kubernetes itself. It depends on controllers that were installed as part of those extensions. Now, if you look at, let's say, actually, without before I go into extending Kubernetes, right? If you yeah. use Kubernetes out of the box, and let's say you deploy an application based on containers, what, what will you create? You're going to create probably a deployment, you're going to create a service, and you're going to create an ingress. That's a bare minimum. Now, right. what is that ingress doing? It is managing an external load balancer. So we are already, without even knowing it or, or realizing it, we are managing resources outside of the cluster itself. In this case, load balancer. What happens if you uh, attach a volume? Well, you're managing external drives. And this is still out of the box. And nobody should ever use Kubernetes out of the box. Then we got projects like KubeVirt, for example, that allow yeah. you to use Kubernetes API to manage virtual machines, and so on and so forth. There are many, many different examples of people extending Kubernetes to do different things. And many of those things are actually processes or infrastructure or services running somewhere else outside of that cluster itself. Taking it forward, what are some of the biggest challenges facing organizations 
when it comes to managing cloud infrastructures today? The key word over there, I, I believe, is today, right? <laughs> because today we have different ideas of how something should work, different requirements, and so on and so forth, which does not, and people get mad with me when I say, hey, this and that, which does not mean that what we did in the past was bad. It's just that today we have different needs. Like one of those needs is that everybody wants to have an API because APIs are extremely uh, useful, right? You want to be able to query something. You want to be able to communicate with that API and so on and so forth. Another big thing especially for those who use Kubernetes to run their applications, packages, containers in those in those clusters, is continuous drift detection reconciliation, right? It's simply beautiful when you say, hey, here's my application. It should have three replicas, right? Which result in three pods. And what happens if something bad happens to any of those replicas? Well, nothing, not your problem. You as a human, you do not need to do anything the system, in this case, Kubernetes, will figure out that one of those is down and it will recreate it somewhere else. Maybe yeah. that happened because a node went down and then it will uh, schedule it somewhere else and so on and so forth. So if I would stress the most important things that are missing from previous generation of tools used to manage resources one way or another, that's API and continuous drift detection and reconciliation. And I'm stressing here the word continuous because we had drift detection, reconciliation for a very, very long time. But those processes were initiated by humans. Oh, there's something wrong with my cluster. Uh, a node went down. What do I do? I execute command X, and then that command and the tool behind it will fix that issue. But only when you instructed to do it. Now we are removing that human element from it and making it continuous, making the system uh, figure it out. And the third requirement, I believe, and especially, again, because we got so used to Kubernetes, is that ability to extend it. So far, I spoke about extending Kubernetes through third-party tools, meaning you install this tool, and it gives you new custom resource definitions, and you can, you can do stuff. But there is that ability to extend it yourself and say, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, this is what it means to have an application. This is what it means to have a database, right? This is the schema, and this is how others using that something will interact with it. So accessibility, custom-made accessibility, drift detection APIs are probably the most important new requirement we might have. Talking about those challenges, can you explain what CrossPlan is and how it can help organizations manage their cloud infrastructures? I mean, in your point of view, what are the challenges or pain points that CrossPlan was designed to address? It's actually those that I mentioned. Um, <laughs> so first of all, it uses, it runs in Kubernetes and it runs natively, right? Industry somehow, we all agreed Ignoring now whether it's CrossPlan or something else, more or less everybody is in agreement that Kubernetes is the base platform where things are running, whatever those things are. Yeah. And Kubernetes uh, CrossPlan is no exception. It runs in Kubernetes natively, and that means quite that brings it quite a few advantages. First, we have that API, 
that, for example, if you install what we call uh, AWS provider, let's say, you get out of the box custom resource definitions that say, hey, uh, this is the schema to create or manage EC2 instance. This is the schema for subnet. This is the schema for RDS and so on and so forth. Right? So it gives you Kubernetes definitions that you can use to instruct Kubernetes to manage some external resources like AWS, Azure, Google, whatever that something is, internal as well. The big now, most people do not use crossplane that way, right? Most people will not go and say, okay, let me create a YAML that will give me EKS cluster and another YAML that will give me a subnet and uh, one for VPC and so on and so forth. And most people use what we call compositions which is a way to wrap and group different resources. So let's say that uh, you want to give to everybody in your organization the ability to manage, let's say, databases, right? Uh, now, you have two options. You can say, hey, actually three options. One option is open a Jira ticket and I will do it for you, right? That's a bad option because... That's what we've been doing for a very, very long time. That means that I need yeah. to wait for you to do it. And you might be able to do it today or tomorrow or next week or next year. Nobody knows, right? I want to be self-sufficient. Uh, and But I, as a hypothetical developer, I probably do not know how to handle VPCs and subnets and you know all the details. I'm not a DBA, DBA. I'm not an expert in databases. And I'm not an expert in AWS and so on and so forth. I'm an expert in writing Node.js code, right? I'm very good at it, but I want not to depend on you, right? Now, if I'm such a person, I have two options outside of opening a Jira ticket for you. Uh, one is to create all those resources like, oh, for a database, I need this, this, and that, 57 different resources. Another one is for you to create a composition, which means, hey, I'm going to create a new schema a uh, new custom resource definition. It's We're going to call it a database as it should be running in our company. It's a very long name. <laughs> and I'm going to give you the options to be in control of that database, but at the right level of abstraction. And what I mean by that is, imagine that you and you and I now talk and you ask me, hey, uh, what do you, you want to manage databases by yourself? Excellent. What are the things that matter to you? Do you care about VPCs? No. Okay. I'm going to hide that. Do you care whether it's Postgres or MySQL? Yes. Excellent. I'm going to give you a field in that schema called database type and so on and so forth. Right. We do discovery so that you as an expert can figure out what I and everybody else in the company need when they want to manage databases themselves without being an expert. And then you create that schema, that composition, and behind the scenes, you instruct it, oh, whenever Victor says our company database and he says Postgres and he says it should be running in AWS, but I do not know all the details, you convert, you create a mechanism to convert that into, I don't know, now let's say RDS database with this subnet, with that VPC, maybe the password of the database should be uh, should be retrieved from uh, secret manager uh, and so on and so forth. You do the orchestration or define that orchestration uh, 
and expose it to me as a service. So effectively, what AWS is to you, you become to everybody else. You are a service provider, but at the right level of abstraction. Nice. Okay, so in which cases would you use cross-plan? And in which cases would you use Terraform, Pulumi, or another infra- infrastructure as code tool? That depends. To begin with, maybe you are already using Terraform Pulumi. And in that case, I do not like to tell people, hey, you should drop everything you're doing and every week change that something for something else, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but if you're, there are two cases where you want to use Crosslane. Uh, one is if you experienced some of the pains of using, let's say, Terraform Pulumi that Crosslane can solve. Like, for example, one of those pains would be state management, which it is, is noticeable more after certain scale, right? People using Terraform or Pulumi or any other similar tools do not really notice the problems that occur with managing their internal management of states if you're running a one cluster, five servers, something like that. But at certain scale, you do, right? But to me, more importantly is when you get to the need, actually two things. First, when you get to the need that you want to create some sort of internal developer platform, when you want to expose those services to others, right? That ability to create those compositions that I mentioned before. And another equally big one is the ability to work within the ecosystem, right? So let's say any of those tools without me naming them, right? They have their own ecosystem, which is good or bad, big or small, but they're world in it in them by themselves, right? Once you adopt one of those tools, you need to search within those tools the way how to, let's say, distribute logs, how to observe them, and so on and so forth. Now, Crossplane is Kubernetes native, meaning that it has none of those things. By design, there is no mechanism to this to, to ship logs somewhere. There is no mechanism, there is no baked-in solution for observability and for policies and so on and so forth, simply because every Kubernetes native tool works seamlessly with any other. Instead of creating a separate ecosystem, say cross-plane ecosystem, we just rely and assume that you are already within, let's say, CNCF or Kubernetes native or cloud native ecosystem. And that ability to combine, let's say, let me use one example, let's say policies, right? The ability to work with whichever policy solution you're already using in your Kubernetes cluster is massive because you might have chosen OPA Gatekeeper or Kyverno or what's or not. And then you say, hey, why wouldn't I create policies also for the rest of the things using same principles, right? And that's where Crossplane jumps in. It's part of the ecosystem. Yeah. How does Crossplane approach the management of infrastructure that is not based on Kubernetes, such as virtual machines or bare metals? We need to make that distinction that there is Kubernetes as extensible API, and those extensions are many. Behind those extensions, there are controllers 
that do something and manage something depending on what you send to that API. And then there is second part of Kubernetes that it might have a mechanism, but it doesn't have to, to manage containers running in that same cluster. Now, those controllers, they can they do whatever somebody defined them to do, right? It's, it's code. And that's something, as I mentioned before, like with KubeVirt or anything else, can be anything you want, whatever you define it with, right? So with Crossplane, you manage Kubernetes resources and controllers that you get when you install specific providers have know-how to communicate with the APIs of something to do something. Now, that API can be within the same cluster, say, oh, I want you to create a pod. Excellent, right? Or that API can be AWS. Hey, I want to find out what is the status of this thing over there. And if the status differs from what you told me you wanted to do uh, to be, I'm going to do this, right? Update, delete, insert, do whatever is required, right? So it's about con controllers that communicate with some API to manage the state of something. And it really, when you think about it from the controller perspective, it doesn't really matter whether that API is in the same cluster or somewhere else. From the process perspective, if that controller needs to create a pod in that cluster, it doesn't literally create a pod. It, it speaks with Kubernetes API in the same cluster or in a different cluster and says, oh, uh, give me the status of this pod and create it, delete it, do something. Uh, and now whether that API happens to be AWS or Azure or Equinix Metal doesn't matter. What does matter, even though it can be solved, is that there is an API somewhere, right? Crossplay would have a hard time uh, managing something for you somewhere if there is nobody to talk to at the other end. Yeah. Right? Uh, but as long as there is API, the only limit is only really whether somebody created a provider for that something. So uh, maybe you have Raspberry Pis running somewhere and uh, nobody had the need so far to instruct Crosspoint how to talk with those Raspberry Pis. And then you would need to create a provider yourself, uh, which is also relatively straightforward and easy option. All right. Are there any challenges or limitations or even disadvantages of using Crossplane and how this can be overcome? So uh, disadvantage, so th those are a couple of questions uh, and I will probably forget half of them in a minute, but so remind me. But anyways, uh, <laughs> one disadvantage is that it is a relatively new project. So Crosspoint did not exist for just as long as Terraform or Ansible. So there is a smaller number of providers now we are in a phase that most of the important ones are covered, but there might be something exotic somewhere, right? That is not covered. And then you would need to put an extra effort to create that provider. Uh, that's simply uh, a result of existing for a shorter period of time. That's going to be solved as, as time progresses. The bigger challenges are that we managed to break internet, uh, sorry, to break Kubernetes. 
I think that Crossplane is the first serious project that uh, reached the limits of how many re different types of resources Kubernetes itself can manage, right? And to be honest, even we did not know about those limits until not long ago. And it turned out, turns out that when you, on average, now that varies greatly, but on average, a Kubernetes can work decently well with up to around five to 600 custom resources uh, or custom resource definitions. Uh, and after that, it, it tends to start misbehaving, right? And when you install a provider like AWS, you get around eight to 900 custom resources. So a single provider can already reach oh, wow. that limit. And if you add Azure over there and Google Cloud and so on and so forth, you're definitely breaking the limits of Kubernetes itself. Now, that's also not as big of a problem now as it was before for a couple of reasons. First, since we are a really open source company, we are putting quite, quite some effort in actually improving Kubernetes itself so that those li limitations are higher and higher and higher. It's a process that takes time. But it's getting there, both on client side and the server side. So, partly due to our effort and uh, due to effort of others, those limitations are are getting removed. And also, we are now creating a mechanism. I think it will be released in a matter of weeks to select which resources you really need. Because when you install AWS provider. Great, you get close to a thousand resources, but let's face it, almost nobody. I, I don't think that there is a company in the world that uses all 1,000 yeah. uh, services, APIs in AWS. You might be using 10, maybe 100, maybe 200, right? But that's already stretching the limit of what you need. So by giving the uh, providing the ability to actually install only the APIs that you need, most companies will not even reach those limits um, imposed by Kubernetes itself. You okay. probably asked me a couple of other questions that I forgot already. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. You explained it pretty well. So the last one, how do you see the future of DevOps and infrastructure management evolving? And how do you see Envision Crossplane playing a role in that evolution? So Kubernetes itself is going to become more and more invisible. We are still early with Kubernetes and it's very low level. I think that the next phase that is coming now that will affect definitely ops people and DevOps and SREs and nobody knows how each we call each other, will be going and start working on higher and higher level of obstructions. Just as majority of people, if we ask people, hey, do you do you do you understand? Do you work with hypervisors? You don't. You just create a VM, right? Or EC2 instance or whatever you're doing, right? That's the that's where Kubernetes is going. It's it's going to start disappearing from the eyes, even though it will be powering almost everything, right? So omnipresent, invisible type of thingy. And the one important change that will continue happening, that's that more and more companies are going to go multi-cloud. That's almost unstoppable. Actually, I would even argue that almost everybody is multi-cloud now. 
but for that argument to stand, I need to stress that I make a differentiation between hyperscaler and cloud. Like Google, Amazon, Azure, they're hyperscalers and clouds as well. But, you know, if you use yeah. github.com, you're using a cloud service. If you're using yeah. Datadog, you're using a cloud service. So everybody is already using services from multiple vendors, cloud, and that trend will continue expanding more and more, um, especially what we're seeing with Snowflake and, and quite a few other services. And the goal really of Crossplane is to become a control plane to manage all those resources. Because actually, when you do use, so let me backtrack for a second, right? When you, everybody uses control planes, it's just that most of us don't know that we are doing that, right? When you go and communicate with AWS, and I'm using it only as an example, behind that API, this is a control plane that actually figures out, okay, so you just asked for this, I should do this, and this is where I can do it, and so on and so forth. There is some kind of orchestration happening behind that API. And that's kind of good and fine. Actually, it's great. But once you start using multiple different APIs and control planes, you inevitably get the need to have a control plane yourself, right? So you're yeah. doing something in Azure, you're doing something in AWS, you're doing something in GitHub, in Datadog, and so on and so forth. And that's honestly a horrible experience simply because all those control planes and APIs and what's not, they're completely different, right? You cannot really provide a good user experience and you cannot really make it work without some kind of unification on top of all that and saying, okay, so this is a thingy, and my bet is that that thingy is crossplane that is actually managing all those things because nobody lives in a single data center anymore or behind a single API. So think of it as control plane of control planes. Right, control plane that manages those invisible control planes that you're using through those APIs. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is the Velips Tech Tuesday Unboxed, your DevOps Technologies Review. I'm your host, Gilad Niger. This podcast is a review of the Velips Tech Tuesday webinar. So if you're interested in our in-depth discussions about the up-to-date technologies in DevOps, check out our webinar on our website at the show notes. Until next time, bye-bye.